is the foundation. Uh, it's the core belief. Convictions are what guide you in life. If you have moral convictions, when you're tempted, uh, when hell would detour you, uh, when there's struggle, uh, when there's uh, obstacles, you'll continue because you have convictions about issues of life, things you deeply believe. And so uh, core training, of course, uh, this has been big the last few years, uh, and the reason is the re you can do all kinds of other exercise, but if your core is unhealthy, it won't profit you much. And so uh, that's also true. We could do a lot of religious activity. But if the core, <clears throat> our core convictions aren't biblical, uh, aren't uh, Bible-based, um, then we can have lots of activity, spend lots of money and energy, but at the end of the day, we're not accomplishing what God would have us accomplish and so we've, uh, as I said, we've moved through a number of things. Um, we talked about church discipline. We talked about redemption and, and on and on and on and on. Uh, but I want to move this morning to vision. Uh, vision is critical in all of life. Uh, vision is, 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 is the foundation. If that's not clear, then other things become uh, uh, debatable. Other things become cloudy. And so I want to focus on this and get your input and et cetera. But I can remember in India, uh, many, many, many years ago, there was the Elora Caves. <clears throat> this is 1993. I was in India with Pastor Mitchell. And so we, we hired this man. We drove like two hours, three hours to get to this temple. And I came back and preached on that in 1993 and had some pictures and stuff. Uh, but here is this, uh, this temple that uh, these pillars, life-size elephants carved. Hundreds of sculpture cut out of solid granite rock. Three million cubic feet of rock was removed by hand. Talking about chisels and hand drills, and, and, and harnesses. One cave was 107 feet deep, uh, uh, 276 feet uh, wide, 15 feet, uh, and it was uh, double-storied. It was connected overhead by a bridge. This was all cut out of granite. And it, uh, the, the priest, it, seven to eight hundred years, they had worked on this, generation after generation. Chisels, they had some of this stuff there. Uh, harnesses that they used to uh, propel themselves. Hand drills. Um, and these mountains of, of dust and rock that had been removed. Uh, and when we was there, it was a tourist attraction. And so think of this. They had a vision, gave their life to it, sacrificed to it, cost them. They're isolated out there. I mean, uh, died there, and yet at the end of the day, had nothing to do with God's vision. 
Proverbs 29, 18, uh, very, very familiar. Where there is no vision, is the old King James, no revelation, the people cast off restraint. One translation, where they have no vision, they run naked in the streets. So I, I want to throw out just some things and then and get your input. I'm going to need Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Who will get that for me? Uh, Alec, if you'd get that. Uh, uh, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Um, uh, uh, Guillermo, if you'd get Acts 26, 19 and Acts 26, um, uh, 24. Uh, Luke 2, 49. Who will get that? Uh, Billy, if you get that. And so... Uh, in our text here, and there's, there's many we're going to look at in the next two or three weeks and on up through conference. So. And so he, what they're saying, if you don't have a vision, it's fatal to you as a child of God and a church. Our church must have a vision. And, and I'm not speaking physically here. You know, I'm not speaking, you know, today it's a fashion statement. People wear their sunglasses like a fashion statement. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, however, and, and that's, that's fine. There's all kind of, I had big old Elvis Presley hair. That was a fashion statement. <laughs> but uh, fashion statements move and et cetera. But uh, they, they, they like name brands. Uh, uh, they like name brands exposed, you know. And that, <clears throat> that's making a statement many times uh, of who you are. <clears throat> and so what the, your vision will define you. Don't you think about vision. Your vision will focus. It will harness your heart. It will orchestrate your life. When you have a vision, you will pool your resources, your mind, your time, your words, your finances, where you want to go, what you want to do in life. And so vision is critical. And I can remember being in South Africa, Nelson Mandela, and I went to Paris Island, a very moving. This is where he was there for 20-something years. Uh, they had to keep changing uh, these uh, African guards uh, because he would win them over uh, to his uh, cause and his ways of thinking and et cetera. Uh, but he, here he is, and he had this vision uh, for South Africa. And 20-something years, uh, pretty much isolated, little tiny room there. I went in his, in his cell room, a bed, a little stand he wrote on, just a little tiny room there on Paris Island. Uh, and, uh, and yet the vision, and his own, I read a number of his books back at that time, and then even when he died, this is what kept him. This, this overcame obstacle. This overcame discouragement. This overcame people. People will rob your vision. The demonic, the purpose of the demonic many times is to steal or blur your vision because it is so powerful. And we could go on and on. Henry Ford, you know, the, the automobile uh, settlers uh, came across in the America when it was very, very difficult, took massive times. Uh, and so what happens, vision focuses church life. And the truth is, we can't do many things well, so uh, I've kind of triggered your mind, I hope. Uh, 
And uh, uh, maybe we could read Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I'd like if you'd read that. And then I want to open up uh, here in a few minutes. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend, but this one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press towards the mark of the, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, here he said, I, I, I'm not doing many things. I'm focused. I have, I'm pressing toward the high call. I'm pressing. I want to please God. Uh, my life somewhere, and I understand people work. I understand people have families. I understand people, uh, there's activities and things you like to do. and re- There's all kinds of things in life. But somewhere as a child of God, God's vision has to capture your heart and you need to find your place in that. And this is where Christianity becomes alive. This is where there's joy. This is where there's passion. Uh, this, this is where uh, everything then moves to another dimension. So I want to ask you, what is our vision here? George. Be fruitful and multiply. Hallelujah. You know, go into all the world and preach the gospel, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. That what Jesus said sums it up, and it's what we believe and it's what we do. Okay, that, that, someone want to add to that? Billy, Caleb? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then also to uh, make disciples. Make disciples. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Uh, those who believe and baptize shall be saved. Uh, I want you to go make disciples. Accomplishing uh, that commission through church planting. Okay, accomplishing that commission through church planting. And that, that it, it, uh, Kevin? I was going to say that also. Um, make disciples and spread the word of God, building okay. churches. So that, that's our vision. That's, and we do other things. We, we have other act, But at the end of the day, our vision is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other most. Chandler, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, United States, uttermost parts of the earth. And our vision is to see people saved. This changes everything. This is why at weddings we give altar calls, unheard of. Most of you had never seen an altar call at your wedding in, in, in your whole existence. Funerals, we give altar calls. We had an altar call, Pastor Roy's funeral, I think eight or nine people came up and prayed um, at the front. That's our vision. See, it encompasses everything. Children's church, uh, uh, last couple of years, they raised uh, uh, several thousand dollars for missions. Here are these kids uh, Hitting up mom and dad and grandparents that don't even come here and all. Uh, but that's being instilled in them as children that we have a vision. And that vision has to do with the conversion of souls and discipling of couples and men and then launching them and spreading the gospel. That's our vision. And, and we do other things, you know. Uh, there's wedding showers and there's uh, birthday. I mean, it's unending, you know, the things that, that happen and et cetera. Uh, but that, that has to be in your soul. Uh, Ike and George. And the, oh, hello? Okay. 
Um, and what the pastor said a couple of minutes ago is that we have to find our place. So what, what he means by that is you are either a sendee or a sender, okay? So if you haven't been called to preach or you haven't been called to evangelize or pastor, then we are the rest of us, we are senders, and we have to find our spiritual place to make sure we support that. Amen. George? Okay, no problem. Uh, it'll come back. It's called age. It's called age. Amen. Uh, and, and so, uh, 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 yeah, young timers. And so, uh, uh, and so, somewhere you have to find. All of us are called to witness, though. Every one of us are called to give our testimony of what Jesus. I don't care from a new convert to me. All of us are called to tell people about Jesus. And this is what this is what gets lost. You can come here, be a wonderful person, sit here, be a blessing. But are you witnessing? Are you telling someone else about the one who saved you? The one who died for you, Jesus Christ. Are you trying to give to them what he gave to you? Or someone else presented to you? And, and it begins there. It's, it, these guys street preaching on Monday night, outreaches on Saturday. Uh, but it's not just that. It's personal. It's you. It's, it's speaking and, 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 and personal evangelizing. George and, and uh, Benny. Ben Bunny and I were talking, I don't know, a week or so ago. And he made a comment that really struck home. It was like that we are a restoration fellowship. And it, it, it draws me back to like Old Testament where they had to redig wells and they had to reestablish what had been previously established. And we're a fellowship that is reestablishing the book of Acts, evangelism in our current world, the, the pattern that God laid out through the early church. And as part of that, it's like you said, all those things. It's like preaching, it's, it's personal evangelism, it's going, it's sending, like Ike said. And that all is encompassed in that being a restoration fellowship that's restoring this world to a place for God to move and redeem the souls of men. Yeah, we have to. We have to stand. See, I, uh, I was talking with uh, Pastor Josh Fowles, and he was sharing some stuff with me, and, and we were talking back and forth. But it's interesting uh, when the world tries to uh, push something that's uh, questionable or sin. Once the church embraces it, it's like it becomes a forest fire in the world. It's like it's loosed. Uh, I can remember when earrings, uh, many, many. How many remember when men started wearing? I think it was if, you're, if you were funny, uh, what you wore the left one, and if you were straight, you wore the right one. I can't remember. And uh, it was a few of it and a few athletes and et cetera. But then did you notice that the, when some of these uh, musicians and different ones in the, in the uh, entertainment religious world begin to wear them, Tattoos. I can remember when, you know, you go to places, no one has a tattoo. I was just in Mexico City this past week. I don't think I saw one tattoo. Uh, here's 1,400 people. I don't, I don't think I saw one. It's like a fashion statement here. But did you notice once the church accepted it, once the church, then it's like it just went to a whole nother level. That's true morally. And I could go down the line and so you, you, when you have convictions, the fashions and the latest uh, 
entertainment, the latest image that the world throws at you is not going to bend you. And I, I have people, people at the funeral from time to time. Uh, uh, I saw people I hadn't seen for years. They're here at the funeral. They come up, Pastor Campbell, you're still the same. And uh, uh, some of them was talking about how I looked, and I didn't want to tell them how they looked. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you passed me. <laughs> but anyway, no, not, not really. But, but a, a lot of what they were talking about was, was the preaching. And they couldn't wait, you know. I don't know if you felt, you know how yeah, funerals and weddings are. Uh, you could feel the resistance at first. How many, how many felt that that was here? You could feel that. And I said, hey, later for that, buddy. And I just got up and and the thing just blew right through. It just, the whole thing just turned, spirit turned. Uh, glory come down, uh, great testimonies, um, uh, great songs, great everything. Uh, and, but you, if you don't do that, the world will run over you. And that's what's happened is the church has lost convictions. The church has lost core convictions. And, and so the world is running like, like, a, like a plague through the church and then the world gets worse. And so we have a vision and, and we've just talked about morals and discipline and different things that kind of come through some of that. But uh, you have to maintain and fight for this. It's not easy. Uh, Benny. So one of the things, uh, the timing of this is pretty tremendous is Pastor Roy I think you might have been in Malaysia, Pastor. Um, a new thing in the religious world was starting to happen with Brownsville and this thing called the Toronto Blessing. It, it almost encapsulated Chandler, Tempe, uh, some sister churches here in the valley. One of the things that Roy did is that he reached out to Pastor Mitchell, and probably you communicated, and he basically made a stand and said, look, this is not what our fellowship does. Yeah. This is not what we do. This is not, and he, he fought, and I think it's just the timing of this and you talking about this is tremendous, and, and just honoring Pastor Roy in, in that aspect. Okay, and so, uh, uh, and this is not easy, see. It's not, it's one thing to get up and make a mission statement. I mean, practically any church has some kind of mission statement or some kind of vision statement or something, but it's another thing it, to maintain it over time. It's one thing to say, well, okay, we're going to plant churches and God's going to help us until you have some people that you've invested in, give your life to. Like, to me, we're like sons to me, uh, a financial investment, relationship investment, and they say later for you and walk. Try to rip off a church, and, and some of them did rip off churches. Are you still going to have the vision? It's another thing when you pour your life into people and, 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 uh, and you launch them and they, they uh, have a, a moral crisis or something and uh, it doesn't, or you launch them and it doesn't work. I mean, it's one thing, it's one thing for Jesus, you know, and then, but then you got Judas. Amen. It, I mean, can you imagine God, one third of the angels in a re rebellion? And Lucifer was the, most feel he was the song leader. He was one of the archangels, mounted this rebellion, one-third of them cast down, and they're trafficking here now. 
but it's one thing to say, okay, we have a vision. It's another thing when you take a shot in the face uh, or, or, or you, you uh, hell, uh, uh, or there's dis- disappointment or discouragement or failures and, and to say, we still have a vision. We still have a vision. It's not changing. It's not going away. And we're not compromising. No. Uh, and and uh, each of you has to embrace that. Everyone who walks through the door, they have to. No, we're not just here to play religious games. We're not just here to entertain people. See, that's the difference. A lot of the church world just entertainment. We're here, one, to see people converted, see them mature, grow in Christ, and find their destiny in the Great Commission. And that that has many. I believe God talks about the gifts. Paul writes about the gifts given to the church. And some people, uh, they just, there's gifting. They can reach people. they They just have that quality about them. The other people, uh, they, they got the Midas touch. I mean, you know what that is. Everything they touch turns to gold. And so they can support financially. Other people, some people are just, their person, their, God is, or they pray. They pray God is burned in them to pray and fast and lay hold of God. And, and so it's, and then other people, of course, are, are, uh, it's on and on and on from, from children's church to ushering to praying to being faithful to loving people to the platform and bands and drama and on and on and on and on and on and on. But we have to understand it's we're actors converts. We're not trying to proselyte people. Some people come, they see it, they love it, want to be a part, that's fine. But you don't hear me. I'm not... I'm not out here trying to enlist. I want to see converts. I want to see people saved and born again. And there are people here. I was saved in the Assemblies of God. Now I'm, you know, I'm pastor in Christian Fellowship Church. And so it's, it's not, but I'm saying our aim is for the lost, the broken, and go out in the highways and compel them to come in. And somewhere that has to be a part of your spirit and your mind and your vision. Uh, Robert. Yeah, uh, in my business, sorry, hello. It's on. In, in my business uh, uh, that I do, we talk about uh, duplication. And uh, I was praying the other day, and I was thinking, I prayed, I was, the conference came to my mind as I was praying. And I was looked at how the fellowship had started from Pastor Mitchell or down to you, or even to you. And I said, and, and what, will we, what we learn in this church, in this fellowship, is process of duplication. We got to do, just like Ray Crock and McDonald's, and everything like that, that was a duplication. We have to do what we learned to do through, uh, 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 you preached on it, uh, you become who you, who you hang with, right? you know? You become who you hang with, and that's pretense process duplication. Who are you going to follow? You somebody that went through the mine and got blown up, or you're going to follow somebody that went through the mine and made it across to the other side? And that's the thing that you don't give up. I don't care how hard things go financially, mentally, maritally. You don't give up. You watch those who made it 
and stuck it out, James Martinez. Bit 27 cents in his pocket. Look at him now. Why? He followed your example. And that's what we have to do as Christians. Follow, and Jesus said, follow me. Well, how are we going to follow if we don't duplicate what he did? Yeah. Yeah, Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. And so the vision is imparted and communicated, one, by example, and by your spirit, by your language. What you talk about, what's important to you, what burns in your soul. And, and this many times is communicated as, as Robert, as you fellowship with people, we, we try to communicate it from the pulpit, but as you fellowship, what do you talk about with new converts? What do you talk about with your brothers and sisters? What do you talk about at home? What, what, what's, what's your agenda in life? And this is not easy. Acts 26, 19. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Verse 24. And thus he spake for him, for himself. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth, doth make you mad. Okay, so here's Paul. He's before King Agrippa. Uh, toward the end of his ministry. He's in chains. He's been brought. He's in prison. And he just gave his testimony, how Jesus saved him on the road to Damascus and all of that. And he, he tells, O King Agrippa, and he may, I have not been disobedient to this heavenly vision. And now, now here's a man who's given his life to Christ. He's there. Uh, he's in chains. He's in prison. Uh, in the natural, it doesn't look like a good choice. And this is what the world always says. Festus, as he read, leaps to his feet, screams at Paul, you're insane. Much learning has made you mad. And, and so you have to weather that. You have to fight. There will be people, when you pursue godly vision, they'll say, you're, you're stupid, you're crazy, you're mad, you're insane. That's foolishness. And sometimes it's people that you love and people that you want to uh, uh, compliment and support you. But, but vision is, is, this, this, is this powers us. This is, this is what, what we're all about. And so your vision has to be greater than your own personal need because here comes the tension in life. Your personal need sometimes can begin to blind the vision or push the vision to the back burner. John 4, verse 30. Who'll get that for me? John 4, verse 30. Anybody? Go ahead. And then I need verse John 4, verse 34. If you'd get that, Ike. And uh... Then they went out of the city and came to him. John 4, verse 30. Got it up there? Okay. They went out of the city and came to him. Okay. Uh, 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 they're looking for food. They're looking for food. John 4, 30. They're there. He's with the woman at the well. They've gone into the city to find food. Their need has pretty much, they, they're not constant. Most scholars feel they walked right past this woman. Look at verse 34. Look at what Jesus says, though. Jesus saith unto them, 
My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Okay, he says, my food, you're looking for food in the natural. You have a physical need. But he says, I'm looking for a food. It's to do the will of God. And so, uh, 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 what's, what's the next verse? Verse 35, read that, please. Go ahead and read that. Say not ye that there yet be four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look into the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Okay, again, uh, uh, they're there at the well, and she's gone back into the city. She's told these people, come here a man who told me all I ever did. And she gives her testimony. They're coming out of the village there. They're coming out to the well, Jacob's well. They're coming out and uh, here's this, this mass, no doubt, uh, uh, Asia, Middle East, uh, garments, white, hot, desert. They're, they're and he says, look, look, there's the harvest. Lift up your eyes. You're seeing, your need has got your eyes down and you're missing what I'm trying to show you. Your need has the ability to fill your eyes till you can't see what God wants to do. You've heard me preach that in many different forms and fashions. Uh, and so uh, it's already why here's the harvest, uh, and you're it's you're about to get run over by the harvest, and you don't see it. How many times do we walk by people that God has prepared their heart? to be converted, to be born again. And we don't see it. Your, our vision for God has to be greater than even the personal need of the church. There are guys, and I talk to them around the world, because there's a risk factor. They won't launch men. They'll be at our conference this week, people who will not launch men because the need in their church uh, is, in, is more dominant than their vision for the harvest. One, uh, well, I, shoot, I need, to, they're over the drama. What will we do? I mean, they're in a band. What will we do? They're the song leader. What will we do? Uh, we can't launch them, pastor. I mean, we need them. Uh, they're, they're givers. We, we, I mean, we, uh, we launch them. We're launching this talent and gifting and resources and... and uh, uh, and the problem with that is you'll miss if you're not careful and you'll stymie what God wants to do because the principle is if you'll launch it, God will raise up others. God will raise up other people. This is true as a church, but it's true personally. Uh, I was talking uh, to uh, one of my family members and he's trying to uh, sort out the will of God uh, and uh, one of my grandchildren and I told him, he's a grown man, he has children, I said, I have never allowed money to dictate the will of God. That's number one. <clears throat> He's got jobs offered here and this and that. I said, uh, God's will has a geographic location. That's number one. Has an address. It has to do with a particular people, particular time. And somewhere you have to, uh, your vision see and your heart after God uh, it, it, it has to be greater. And, and there's, listen, you'll never please God without faith. 
That's what the Bible says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You'll never please God. And God will put you in places where you have to trust Him. You have to believe Him. And that pleases Him. You have to believe Him. You have to trust Him. And it's called faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you can't see. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so that, it takes faith to see a vision come to pass. It takes faith. And that, it's not just, uh, we've been launching churches a long time, but what are we going to do this week, see? Coming week. What are we going to do next year? What are we going to do, you know, et cetera? Bill? Uh, yeah, I can remember quite a few years ago, uh, I remember you talking to me and saying, gosh, I don't know how we're going to do this here. We are this, we're almost broke. We're tight. We're almost in the red. And uh, we're having conference. And the next thing I know, we look out. A week later, we're having conference. And the people are lined up across this whole thing. I mean, I had never seen so many people at one time and a launching at the time. But you know what happened? Right after that, because we looked at the Sea of the Givers. We've seen the people, the song leader. We've seen the people who did the outreaches and everything else. But within a short amount of time, this church grew, and those people were replaced. Yep, yep. It's a principle. You, it's one thing to say, give, it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God will give back to your bosom. Same measure you measured out. Uh, cast your bread on the water, and after many days, it'll return. It's fun to quote all those, but it's another thing to live it. When, 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 uh, that's where the rubber, and this is true personally, and this is true as a congregation, and this is what vision does. Vision carries you. Uh, it's so vibrant and so, so motivating and so stirring. It'll, it'll, it'll cast you out in that arena of faith that pleases God, pleases God, and moves God. And, and this is electrifying to people. Electrifying to people. I got a letter yesterday from someone, and uh, uh, he said, "Pastor, they uh, these people have no vision. They have absolutely no vision. They good people. They love God. They love one another, but they have absolutely no vision." George, seed has to have a vision for the next harvest. Um, a lot of people don't know, but like potatoes originated in the Americas. And they saw their needs, so they ate the best potatoes. They kept the best for themselves. They ate the best potatoes. Now in Peru, the potatoes are the size of marbles. They're not worth the time it takes to cook them. But if you look in Idaho, where they planted the big ones, and they planted the big ones, they planted the big ones, they have the best potatoes in the world. Now, we invest our best because we expect to get the best back. When we plant someone, we're sacrificing. When you're hungry and in need, like you said, in a time of famine... He who goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his fruit with him. You can't see the fruit in the moment of the need, but if you'll plant the seed, it'll supernaturally exceed whatever expectation you had and empower you and touch the world. Yes, amen. And so, and so here's Jesus with these men, and this need is legitimate. They're not trying to go score some weed or something. Okay, I mean it's 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 legitimate, it's natural, it's totally acceptable, it's it's understandable, right? And still, he said you're missing it. 
And so you and I, we can have a real legitimate need. And yet the question is, um, uh, uh, is the diversion or the distraction disguised in legitimacy? Is it disguised in legitimacy? That uh, it's, it's, it's real, it's, it's, it's on paper. Uh, somewhere your vision, though, for God and what God would do through you and use you for has to supersede. And it could be from your children to your finances. I mean, it could be unending. I've had guys, you know, uh, uh, you, you know I, well, I, I'd like to respond, but my kids are in high school. I'm talking about pastors sometimes or being challenged to another place. Or, um, uh, you know, uh, well, you know, can't God take care of your kids? If you can't believe God to take care of your kids, you're in trouble. And I understand they make their own decisions and that's life and et cetera. And so um, uh, uh, the woman with the alabaster box, very costly oil, a year's wages, uh, and um, uh, she breaks this and she begins to perfume Jesus, worship him. Mark 14, verse 3. Uh, we got time maybe for one or two scriptures and then we'll stop. Mark 14, verse 3. Who will get that for me? Anybody got their Bible open? Alec, if you do that. Mark 14, verse 3. M A R. No, I'm messing with you. Yes, sir. <laughs> and in being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. Okay, go ahead. And there was some that had an indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Okay, now, now watch this. She has a vision. It's, it's tying her to his, his crucifixion and resurrec resurrection. It's, her vision has tied her into God's economy and God's timing and God's purpose in the earth. That's what vision does. Vision connects you to what God is doing in the earth. But watch how it was perceived. They said, it's a waste. This could have been sold and given to the poor. And I hear this around the world, and, and I'm not against, you know. But our vision is not to build wells, water wells in Africa. And again, that's not evil. God bless them, folks. Uh, it's not, our vision is not a soup kitchen. If we get them saved, they'll eat at the banquet table in heaven. Amen. <laughs> and it'd be much better. And uh, uh, again, that's not evil. Uh, I'm not saying it's But that's not our vision. That, that's not what we're giving our life for. And that, here's this uh, controversy here, see. Judas and these guys, they're upset with her. And they, but, but really, your vision and your commitment to it will convict people. Your vision, when you begin to live your vision, it will convict people. When you sacrifice for your vision, you lay down your life, and, and we do that. People here do that. And that convicts the fire out of carnal Christians. 
worldly people who want to come to church and act religious. Uh, that can, and just like they're convicted, and so they threw up this, this, this whole smoke screen, and, but John looked at him and said, Judas, it's you scammer. You don't care about the poor. You've been stealing out of the offering. It's like people who throw that up. You don't even pay your tithe. You're talking about what we ought to do. You're stealing from God already. And, and you throw up this, this stuff, see, uh, uh, because you're convicted. But vision convicts carnal, lukewarm world. And that's powerful because it'll break them out many times. But Jesus, if you put it up there uh, on, on the screen again, Jesus commended her. He defended her vision. He said, this woman, why do you trouble her? She's done a good thing for me. Go ahead, flip next verse. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She had wrought, she had wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you may do to them good, but me you have not always. She had done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, whosoever this gospel shall Watch be... Watch this. Look here. Here's the vision. Whosoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken of for a memorial for her. Okay. Wherever the gospel's preached in the whole world, what this woman done today is a memorial to her. That's what uh, vision does. Vision sets up a memorial. Here we are thousands of years later, and we can look in that, and it's a reference point. It's a reference point. Your vision and your commitment to it is not just about you. It's about those coming behind you, should Jesus tarry. It's about your children. It's about new converts. It's about people who come through these doors. It's about church kids being It's not just about you and I, and, and, but it's about those who follow us, people who are watching you, and it will not just revolutionize your life. And God himself will reward you. Just like he did her. And he'll fight for you. He'll defend you. Amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you. We'll pick it up next week.